Welcome to the Journey Woman Podcast, an extension of Journey Church, where we gather at the table for conversations designed to encourage women to grow deeper, stronger, and forward in their faith journey. Grounding our conversations on the truth of God's Word so that our roots grow down deep in Him, providing a firm foundation so we can grow a healthy and strong faith. Hi everyone, this is April. This is a message from our previous gather night. We hope you enjoy the following podcast. So I want to just say thank you for stepping out and stepping up. It takes a little bit of that for you to get what you've been called to get. And as we talk about that this year, it, it, those who have been standing up here, myself included, no different than any one of us standing in this room as whatever you think you might feel standing up here, we feel the same. And it's about what um, was just spoken there about the obedience. That's really what makes the difference. And you'll hear those in these accounts that we're going to be telling this year about being called. And even sometimes I hear that and God has called and he's called all of us. So then how special does that make me feel? If he's called all of us, what makes me unique? Is there something for me? Is there something different for me? And I want to say yes. There is something different for you. God has made us all a part of the body. And it talks about this in the New Testament in several passages, how we're all different parts of the body, but we're all one body. So in here tonight, there's just one of us. And we need each one of us. In the Bible, it says that God has given to us, each one, our own gifts, our own mix, our own situation, our own background, our own family, all of those things that you've experienced up till now have made you, you. And God is saying, I want to use that. That's what I've called you to do. When you come to the Lord, that's only the beginning. That is a fantastic decision, the biggest, best decision you'll ever make. But that's only the start of this wonderful journey. And it really is a journey that you follow. The, um, we, we are a follower of Christ. And what that word means is disciple or learner that that's just the start of our story. And he's got so much more for each one of us. So I'm excited that you stepped out, that you came here tonight, and that you said, I want to invest a little bit in my spiritual formation. I know there's more for me. I know there's more relationally for me. We meet often together every weekend. We meet corporately. You guys are involved in a lot of things. You serve in different areas. Um, you've got kids that do this or kids that do that. We serve together. There are a lot of different things we do. We don't do this very much, just gathering like this. And this is a little unique that we would just gather as women like this. So what is it about tonight that you can just sort of let go, say something, share something with a sister in the Lord tonight that you wouldn't normally in another situation? So that's what we want for you tonight is just to be encouraged. The other side of that is to be spurred. I'm not sure exactly where that passage is right now off the top of my head, but there it says that we are to be spurring and encouraging. Encouraging sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Do you know what spur means? To push. It's sort of like the kick with the, in the behind a little bit. So that's actually part of what we're supposed to do for each other is to encourage. You're going to be encouraged tonight, but I hope you're also spurred that there's something in you and in myself as I'm listening that, oh, I need to be doing that, or I haven't thought about that, or God's prodding me to step out in that way. So you are called, and we're going to be saying that over and over and over again, that you are chosen and that there's a purpose specifically for you. And we're just going to find out what that is. We're all on that journey to do that together. So I am going to introduce our speaker tonight. And actually, 
I was gonna say all kinds of things about her, but she stood up here and you know all these things about her already. Uh, but I'm just going to let you know that she, she told me, just, just tell them I'm nice. Okay, so she is a super nice person. I have grown to love her as we've worked together over the last few years um, and have asked her to lead Journey Women. She's got a great story and, and she is a published author. So that is new for her this year, which we're super proud of that for her. And God has called her out. He's called her up. And he's going to do a work in here. He's done that already with her. And that's your story and that's my story as well. So let that be an encouragement to unite. So my very nice friend, <laughs> Joanna... Oh, there she's right under my nose. Come on up. We want to hear if you were excited for this for you tonight. And this is your night. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I am Colombian, so you got to qualify the nice a little bit. <laughs> um, for, for the most part, I am a nice person. So thank you, Jolene, for saying that. Are you excited? It is a new season, woo woo. I, I, I can't even tell you how excited I am to be back into the season of Journey Women. Um, it is an honor and a privilege to uh, be able to kind of dip my toes into all of Journey Women and be a part of this. I have a phenomenal team and I just wanna shout out to Amy Rivera real quick who is laboring in love with all of our snacks and treats. Um, she does it just because she loves us. So ladies, just, I want you to know, coming here tonight, you are dearly loved. And we have prayed for you as a team. We have planned with purpose for this season. And so I just hope that you are poured into, that these nights are a, a refreshment for your soul um, and for your mind and just socially that you're able to grow in your relationship uh, first with God and with each other. So I don't know how I'm gonna do this. I normally have um, a mic in my ear so I'm gonna try to do the sit and the stand thing. I'm extremely emotive. So bear with me and I'm just gonna go ahead and get started. Tonight, um, our message is the called woman. And if you look on your program, it has a verse on it, and it is from the book of Esther. So if you've never read the book of Esther, it's in the Old Testament. It's kind of smushed in between there, between Nehemiah and the book of Job in the Old Testament. And I like this book. It actually gives us a really good kind of insight and a level of the plight of women specifically in this era. And I think that's something that is really relevant to our society, our community right now is women. So I wanna give you a little backstory. The, the time frame is about 479 BC and King Ahasuerus, I probably slaughtered that, um, was the king of Persia, and that's where the story takes place. Um, he's also called King Xerxes the first, so I'm just gonna go with that because it's a lot easier to pronounce. And his kingdom spanned from India to parts of Ethiopia. Now the king was very rich, and he had a lot of splendor and beauty around him. And one of the things that he thought was very beautiful was his wife. So when we jump into the first chapter, 
we find out that he has thrown himself quite a shindig. As a matter of fact, he has laid out all of his splendor for the entire kingdom to see. From greatest to least, they were allowed to come and view all of his splendor. It was almost like he set up a public museum. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh. I just find that just a little interesting. Um, but anyway, everyone could go and they could view all of his splendor. And at the end of this, um, actually the text says that he did this for 180 days. Now that might be a little bit of an over-dramatization. When I read and studied this, I realized that some of the context of scripture is used to emphasize a point. And that was an emphasis. 180 days is a long time to be full of yourself. So at the end of that, he decides to throw a party for the nobility and of his kingdom. So all of the noblemen, all of the heads of his provinces come to his, where he's residing and he throws a seven day party. And they are drinking it up. They are having a good time. It is like 1999 at King Xerxes' house. And at the end of it, he decides he has the piece de resistance. And he is going to bring his queen to the party. And so he tells his eunuchs, go and fetch my queen, yon hither and put the royal crown on her head so that she can be on display for my noblemen to see. And he goes over and sends his eunuchs to where Queen Vashti is, and she's throwing herself a little soiree. And she has all of her girls with her, and the eunuchs come, and there were seven of them, and these were the highest regarded servants of the king. And they said to her, you need to come with us. The king wants you to go to his party. And she goes, eh, nah, that ain't happening. This gets back to the king, and he is enraged. I mean, we're talking, this is a serious offense. It is against the law to deny the king. So, and <laughs> to boot, in front of his noblemen. So he is mortified and embarrassed, and ashamed, and embarrassed, and ashamed. It's the same word, and it means the same thing, but you get what I mean. It was a scandal of their time. Um, and we round out the end of the first chapter, and we find out that the immediate action of the king is to withdraw the title of queen from Vashti. So at the end of the chapter, she is no longer regarded as queen. She is only regarded as Vashti in the text. And that was on purpose. That was not a mistake. It was that immediate, his action against her. And so because he was so embarrassed, he asks his advisors, what should I do now? And they decide to issue a decree for the entire kingdom in every province's language to say that if you are a wife, you are no longer allowed to challenge his authority. That was against the law from that moment forward when he issued that decree. And it told of what she did. I will tell you what, ladies, if we're talking social media, getting a letter from the king and reading that at that time, that was their social media. And you have to understand, her reputation was done for. So we move on. And we get to chapter two, 
And now some time had passed and he went to war and things didn't go so well. And he comes back and he remembers that he no longer has a queen. And so he decides this isn't good. And it wasn't necessarily a lonely thing, just to, for just so you understand some of this context. Um, it wasn't that he was lonely. He had all sorts of women at his disposal, but the title of queen, per se, um, it, that was kind of embarrassing for him to not have someone next to him in that title. So he yet again goes to his super smart advisors and says to them, what should I do? Well, they come up with what I would like to call the very first bachelor and rose ceremony. And it says, the young women that pleased him and gained his favor accelerated, and he would choose from whom the king would draw to, and this woman would become his queen. So all of the women start coming, and Mordecai had a cousin named Hadessa, who he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This girl, who was also known as Esther, was lovely in form and features. So she was notably lovely. That's actually noted in the Bible. Um, And she starts to move within the circles, um, and she gains favor of the head eunuch. His name is Haggai. We won't go into that tonight, but anyway, Haggai had much favor with the king, and so everything that he chose reflected the decision that the king would make. What Haggai was looking for was someone who would please the king. And so we get to this point where the women are trying to vie for the attention of this head servant of the king, and Esther moves quickly up into the ranks. This young woman pleased him and gained his favor so that he accelerated the process of beauty treatments for her and the diet that she received. And he assigned seven hand-picked female servants to her from the palace and transferred her and her servants to the harem's best quarters. I want you to understand this. Esther knew how important it was to interact properly with authority. She knew when to speak up and when to be quiet. She knew when to engage and when to be silent. And Esther quickly finds favor then also with King Xerxes for many of the same reasons that she did with the servant. And she was gentle in her personality. Uh, She was humble in her asks. She deferred to his authority. And it also says in the text that the king loved her. He didn't just have attraction toward her, but he had affection toward her. And that's important. Um, In the next couple of chapters, the story of Esther kind of takes a different turn, and we learn about two other characters in this book, Mordecai and another assistant of the king named Haman. And they do not like each other. Haman really disliked the Jews. He, He was against the Jews, specifically Mordecai. And so they play this out in chapters three and four. And then we finally get to the verse in chapter four where um, everything kind of climaxes. Everyone's story seems to kind of come together. Mordecai comes to Esther, who is now queen. And he says to her, you need to tell the king that you are a Jew. And before this point, Mordecai had said, don't tell. We don't want him to know because we want you to make it through the ranks. We need to hide this. 
Um, this is important too. You know, her name went from Hadessa to Esther, and that Esther name was more neutral. I think that's one of the reasons why they did that, why she changed her name. Furthermore, he wanted her to reveal that Haman had been plotting against the Jews and seeking the favor of the king so that he could issue a new decree to destroy all of the Jews. There was a major catch here for Esther to do this. History was about to repeat itself, um, and not in a good way. You see, the queen had been told by her cousin to, to go in front of the king, but you could not go in front of the king unless you were called to come in front of the king at that time. It was against the law to do that. And so here was Queen Esther, almost in the exact same position as Queen Vashti, um, Queen Vashti was commanded to come to the king, and Queen Esther was not. Either way, they were going to break the law. And so she pushes back at Mordecai and says, if I do this, I will die. Don't you understand? My life is on the line here. And he says to her, if you don't do this, all of the Jews will die, and you will not be spared. I want us to understand here that authority is not to be toyed with. Esther verbally reflected back to Mordecai the law. She knew how serious it was. Authority is not to be made a mockery of. And God can and will use every person to further the kingdom of God. And when we make a mockery of people, we make a mockery of what God can use for good. Queen Esther verbally reflects the severity of her entering the king's presence without his permission because she understands and takes seriously his authority. So in her quandary, she agrees to take on this daring feat and seek the presence of the king. But first, she does something that I think we all need to do. She says to Mordecai in chapter 4, verse 16, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maidens will do the same. And when this is done, then I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Ladies, fast and pray. Fast and pray, fast and pray, fast and pray. I say fast, you say? Exactly. And while you're fasting and praying, bring in those that you have authority over to do the same with you. Get your circle of ladies together. Get your life group together. Get your church together. Get on your knees, and you enter into the presence of the King of Kings first. You go into the ultimate throne room, and you request his presence before you ever go and request the presence of someone here on earth. Because that is where your anointing comes from. That is where your calling comes from. In the end, Queen Esther finds favor with the king, and Haman is caught in his treachery and put to death. This year's theme verse is John 15, verse 16, which you heard, I think Celeste said it. It is you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit 
and that your fruits should remain. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. We are all called women. As called women and within a personal relationship with Jesus, we know better on a lot of what is happening around us today. But that is not our calling, just to know better. It's not our calling to snobbery or mockery, to stand on platforms and tout that we know better. We are called to use the wisdom of knowing better for the betterment of our churches, for our workplaces, for our families, and for our communities. Now, both of these women, in my opinion, were called to make change, to affect change. Queen Vashti and Queen Esther were both called. They were called to impact entire people groups, and they both had ample opportunities to use their callings and their influence for the betterment of the king, of their people group and generation, and the kingdom. Queen Vashti used her authority and her calling and her knowledge to humiliate the king, and as a result, her influence did, in fact, change an entire people group. It changed the lives of women. The decree that King Xerxes had enforced after she did what she did changed the trajectory of women's lives, and it was severely disappointing. It's pretty bad when you get a letter and you realize that the greatest to the least in the kingdom now know that you caused a scandal and that you were rebellious and defiant publicly, that you humiliated someone. That was her reputation, and she was rendered to nothing more than a woman who made a mockery of the king. That's a pretty bad legacy to leave behind. I don't know if it was worth it for her. Do you think that that was worth it for her? I want you to hear me and understand, I don't necessarily agree that she should have paraded herself in front of the king and all of his noblemen. That's not what I'm trying to you know, tell you that you should do, but I think this was a buildup. She knew what she was doing. She had her own parties. She had opened up her own cans of liquid courage, so to speak, and she had disrespect for him before his servants ever came to her door and demanded her to come. This was a buildup of disrespect. Ladies, my spur to you this afternoon or this evening is that you would be very careful with your calling. The enemy would love nothing more than to make you look like a fool, even though you know better. Your words, your actions, the potential you have for success in your calling is huge. But the potential for destruction that waits to pounce is also powerful. Romans 8 verse 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And just because you know better does not mean that you should not respect those who do not yet know better. In the tale of two queens, let us choose to use our calling 
more like Queen Esther. She was bold, she had great courage, and she knew that her influence on the king would help him and benefit him as well as herself and her people. She spared the king and his people as well as hers and the kingdom. Look at the pattern of the king's life up to that point where he meets Esther. It was filled with drinking and boasting. He had selected a right-hand man who was selfish and destructive and conniving. And Queen Esther, in the quest to save her people, single-handedly takes out the one man who could have also deeply, negatively impacted King Xerxes' kingdom. She did not just save the Jews from annihilation. She spared the king ultimate embarrassment and contentious warfare against an entire people group and the God of creation. Because you have to remember, this was God's chosen people. And he was using Esther to save them. If Haman had been able to convince the king to issue an official proclamation, he would have also lost the person that he loved. Remember when I said that? Some of the scripture verses earlier in the chapters stated that he loved her. He had affection for her. But when you issue a proclamation, even the king is bound by that. So he would have either had to lose the woman that he loved, or he would have had to break his own law. And she saved him from both by standing up for herself and her people at the right time and with great respect. She sets the table for us ladies. She first went to the king of kings and fasted and prayed. There's that song, this is how I fight my battles. I love the part where it says, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Even when it feels like you are surrounded by the enemy and you're taking hits on all sides, you have to know that you are surrounded by God who has called you for great purpose. She waited for the right timing. She earned the respect from proper authority and all the while still not bending to the destructive and conniving ways of the enemy. We have talked how you are all called. When you are in relationship with Jesus, you are called to have great influence. I guess my one question to you tonight is, what are you going to do with that calling? As we get ready for this season, understand that you have a deep calling in your life, that God has you here for purpose. And the purpose is not that you would perish, Not that you would be stuck between a rock and a hard place, but that you would know and have wisdom to do what you know you should do. So go to him, pray and fast. Okay? All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be in relationship with you. That our first calling is to answer you and to be in a relationship, a personal relationship with you, God. Thank you that you call us to be your own. God, I pray for these women as they go through this season, Lord, that you would give them understanding of that call on their lives, on what you have for them to do. And Lord, I just pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment, a gentle tongue, 
and great listening ears. Lord, help us all to be kind and loving and patient um, as we influence the world and communities around us. God, I just pray that you would go before us and that you would constantly remind us of your presence surrounding us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for the Journey Women podcast, where we gather at the table for conversations designed to encourage women to grow deeper, stronger, and forward in their faith. To find out more about Journey Women or Journey Church, go to jrnychurch.com slash women or jrnychurch.com. Subscribe to our podcast through iTunes, and you can always find us on Facebook and Instagram.